So believe it or not, I can tell you the best time to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, run a mile, ask your boss for a raise. I mean, literally, you name it. Hi guys and gals, welcome to another episode of the Man Talks Podcast. My name is Roger Nairn and I'll be your host for today's episode while my co-host Connor is traveling to a handful of our new Man Talks communities as we roll out their events. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. We talk about purpose, legacy, influence, love, sex, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to mantalks.com. It's such an exciting time in the Mantalks community, so we wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you. It's only been a year and a half since Mantalks was born, and to see the excitement and energy that has come out of it has been truly mind-blowing. So thank you, thank you, thank you all for listening and for being a part of the Mantalks community. If you think there's someone out there that could benefit from Mantalks, Please pass this podcast on to them, invite them out to an event, or show them the website. It's, it's how our community is going to grow. Let's get on to today's show. Most advice centers on what to do or how to do it and ignores the when of success. But exciting new research proves there's a right time to do just about everything based on our biology and hormones. As Dr. Michael Bruce proves in The Power of When, his newest book, which we'll dig into today on the show, working with your body's inner clock for maximum health, happiness, and productivity is easy, exciting, and fun. The Power of When presents a groundbreaking new program for getting back in sync with your natural rhythm by making minor changes to your daily routine. And after you've taken Dr. Bruce's comprehensive biotime quiz to figure out your chronotype, are you a bear, lion, dolphin, or wolf? By the way, I'm a bear. You'll find out the best time to do over 50 different activities. So ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Michael Bruce, The Sleep Doctor. Dr. Bruce, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We're very excited too. Uh, before we get started, we always like to ask our guests the same question. Can you share with us a defining moment for you as a man? Sure, sure. Um, I have a couple, uh, but the first one that comes to mind is um, I remember the day that my son said to me that he admired me. Oh, <laughs> love that. That's incredible. And how did that make you feel? It was, it was like one of the, it kind of caught me off guard. He had seen me doing the stuff for the book and, and TV, and uh, he said he really admired me and admired my work ethic. And I just was like, yes, wow. <laughs> it's, it's all worthwhile right this very moment. Isn't that amazing? And how old was he? He's 14. Oh, that's very, very cool. That's incredible. Uh, you know, uh, to, to, to hear that just must make, make your world. There's no question uh, between him and my daughter. Those are the most important things in my life. And, you know, to have them at that age start to recognize my accomplishments and, you know, why I do them and I do them for them and, and for them to have a prosperous life. It just, it felt great. That's incredible. Uh, so you, you mentioned this book that you've been writing. The book is called The Power of When. Yep. Uh, it's, it's on the shelves now. Everyone's very excited about it. it you know, we were just talking. It's, it's uh, what is it, number 28 on Amazon. Yep. Uh, it's number one in, in time management and number one in self-help happiness. That must feel absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, it was, it's really been a really fun and interesting ride. And, you know, this book is very, very different than my first two books, 
And I, I think, and that was purposeful. The reason I did that that way, my first two books, the first one was just a general guide on how to get a better night's sleep. The second one really looked at the effects of sleep deprivation on metabolism and why when you're sleep deprived, you gain weight or is it hard to lose weight? But this book is very, very different. Yeah. It isn't really about sleep. <laughs> and, but also it's, it's this title that just jumps out at you that, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I thought to myself, well, there's something new because, you know, there's, there's all these books about why you should do things and how you should do things, but there's, <laughs> there's really nothing about when you should do it. And, and maybe you can fill everyone in on what is the book about and who's the book for? Oh, absolutely. So in my practice, I see I'm a sleep disorder specialist and I see people with sleep disorders, pretty significant ones as well. So, you know, trying to understand that and how that works is has always been a long part of my life. I've been in practice for 16 years and I had somebody come in and my techniques, quite frankly, weren't working. I'm an insomnia specialist in particular. And what I discovered was it wasn't that this woman had a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. She had a hard time because she was sleeping at the wrong time. Mm. And I said, sleeping at the wrong time, that sounds like my 14-year-old. Right. <laughs> you know, my 14-year-old, he wants to go to bed at, you know, one o'clock in the morning and sleep until noon every day if he had his druthers. And I said, you sound a lot like him. And she said, you know what, if I could run his schedule, that would be great. So I said, well, let's run an experiment. So I called her boss and I said, can she come in two hours late and stay two hours late? Uh, I think that she's got something going on with her internal biological chronotype. And he said, I don't know what the heck a chronotype is and I'm about to fire her. So we'll we'll try just about anything right now because uh, he liked her and he liked her work product. And when she was on, she was killing it. And so I, she said, sure. So we did it for two weeks. And here's what we discovered is just by simply moving her the timing of the things that she was doing, not only just sleep, but a couple of other things. All of a sudden she was awake at meetings. She was producing at work. And really interestingly, when she came home, her husband said, you know, I like her more now. Like she's not as cranky as she used to always be. Her kids were relating to her more like the entire household was working better just because of a, of a shift in her sleep. And I said to myself, well, if, if, it, if it really matters when you do something, what else could the when affect? What else could your chronotype affect? And that's how the book was born. Very cool. So you just you just used a word there that, you know, I'm sure very few people out there know what that means. Chronotype. What exactly is a chronotype? Oh, great question. So first of all, I want to I want to uh, challenge you on that one, because actually, I think everybody knows what a chronotype is. They just don't know it's a chronotype. OK, <laughs> it sounds uh, so, like one of those puff pastry sort of things. You I know, know, right? that, yeah. I'll take a chronut. Yeah, type, type. right. <laughs> you know, people people say that to me before. Um, it, it's interesting. Everybody out there has heard of the, the term an early bird or a night owl before. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are chronotypes. Right. And so it turns out that there aren't just two, that there are actually four different chronotypes. And when you really start to dig into the scientific literature, it became very obvious to me. And, and the two chronotypes that most people know of, again, the early bird or the night owl, they're only 15% of people make up an early bird and only 15% of people make up a night owl. And so I said to myself, there's got to be a way that we can look through all of the different literature and figure out what the rest of us might be and how we can all relate to that. And then could this be a hidden factor? Could this be a hack? Could this be a, a, a way for us to learn how to just schedule our lives better? And it turns out that we can. There's four different chronotypes. So there is the early bird, but I call them lions. And um, the reason I chose lions is, well, first of all, I'm a mammal, not a bird. And um, <laughs> I decided that I, if I was going to do something like this, I wanted it to be relatable. And I looked in the animal kingdom to see which animals had 
at different types of sleep schedules. And so lions wake up at almost dawn, maybe a little bit before. Their first kill is usually right around then. Um, they hunt in packs and they're the, you know, they're the king of the jungle. They're the leaders of the group. They're the COO, you know, if you will, of the, and the CEO of the animal kingdom. And that's exactly what my lions are. These are people who have a great tendency to be very organized. They're the leaders. Um, they're the people who are waking up at 530 in the morning. You know, they're answering emails, you know, very early on. And they like to lead with a, a structure. So they like to go from A to B to C and just kind of move through their day. They like to have a list and like to accomplish things on that list. And, and if and if you're somebody out there who's, you know, wondering, you know, what am, what am I? Am I a lion or, you know, am I, what am I? You can actually oh, yeah. go to a website and, and the URL is thepowerofwhenquiz.com and you can do a test. Takes literally took me about 45 seconds, about a minute. And you can uncover what, you know, which chronotype you are. And there's also sorts of really great, valuable information on what exactly that means. And, and obviously there's going to be so much more information in the book, but I wonder if you can expand on the other three chronotypes types. Absolutely. So the second one, which actually makes up most of the population, roughly 50, 55% are bears. Mm. And so, and I'm a bear. Yeah, there you go. So bears are fun people. They're outgoing. They're extroverts. Um, bears are the people that you like to sit down with at lunch because they're always telling a funny story or they know the gossip that's going on at work. Um, bears are really the glue that holds society together, you know, because the lions, they're up early and they go to bed early. Bears aren't like that. Bears get up around 7.30, 6, yeah, between 7 and 7.30. They like to go to bed around 10, 10.30. And really society focuses a lot around a bear's schedule. Uh, but there are a lot of things within that bear schedule that could be moved around and actually make you much more efficient. The third chronotype are what I call wolves. And now I'm a wolf. So wolves are night creatures. Um, we know that wolves are, they hunt in packs at night. They're nocturnal in general. These are my very creative people, a little bit more on the introverted side. Uh, but once you get to know them, you really can't shut them up. They're, they become very loyal, <laughs> very good friends. Um, again, these are my artists, my authors, my actors, my musicians, people kind of like that. And they make up about 15% of the population as well. The, the final chronotype is uh, what I call a dolphin. And I chose dolphins very uh, for a very specific reason. So in the in the animal world, uh, dolphins sleep what's called unihemispherically, which means only half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. And I thought this was a great representation of my insomnia patients. So my patients that come in, they aren't great sleepers. They're highly intelligent. Um, they're not very good sleepers. They're a little bit on the obsessive compulsive side, a little bit on the neurotic side. They've got a good bit of anxiety that kind of rules their life. And sometimes that anxiety or that OCD-ishness will actually get in the way of them being productive. And so, you know, it's really interesting because if you go to the power of when you take the quiz just exactly like you said, and um, it puts you into one of these four buckets. And so once I know which one of the categories you're in, I actually know the hormonal distribution that you have over a 24-hour cycle. I know when your cortisol is high and your melatonin is low. I know when your adrenaline spikes because it's all on a very predictable schedule. And what's nice about the predictability of the schedule is then I match those levels with whatever activity you want to do during the day. So believe it or not, I can tell you the best time to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, run a mile, ask your boss for a raise. I mean, literally, you name it. So as a, as a bear, when would be the best time for me to have sex? So it's interesting. So when we look at sex as an activity in general, there's a couple of hormones that we want to have that are high and, we, and some hormones that we want to have that are low. 
So what we want to have is we want to have testosterone that's high. We want to have progesterone that's high. We want to have adrenaline that's high and cortisol that's high as a male. So for women, we obviously want estrogen to be high. So when we look at our hormone levels and we're trying to understand what's going on throughout a given day, you know, when do you think all of those hormones are high? Believe it or not, they're high when you wake up in the morning. Right. So that's actually how you start your day. Your cortisol is high. Your adrenaline is high. For men, testosterone is high. Many men wake up in the morning with an erection. So that's a very big indicator that that's when testosterone is high. Um, you know, and the opposite is true at 11 o'clock at night, which is when most people have sex. And so it's so fascinating. And even more interesting is 11 o'clock at night is when your melatonin is high. Well, that's the sleep hormone. So literally your body is shutting down for the night. Your, your sleep hormone is getting, you know, rising and you're supposed to be able to perform sexually at that time. Like, I don't know who invented that idea, but it's like the worst idea ever. And this is blowing my mind because this is, you're, you're describing my, you're describing me. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Right. And so you start to think about it and you're like, holy cow. Well, well, when are my hormones in the right spot? Saturday morning sex is probably one of the best things that you could possibly do from a performance standpoint and from a connection standpoint. You know, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of sex, but generally speaking, what seems to happen with most people is they get in bed at night and it's really a convenience idea, right? You're lying there next to your bed partner. Hey, you interested? Yeah, I guess I'm interested. Okay, let's go. And there you go. And you have sex. And 73% of the time, sex is based on schedule alone, not desire. Wow. So that's what's so fascinating. So in the book, what I did was I give people morning times where they should do the experiment, have sex in the morning and see if you perform better, see if you enjoy it better, see if your desire is higher. I literally give people the prescription to have sex in the, in the morning. <laughs> awesome. But what, you know, what happens if, if your partner is the complete opposite? What's, what's the story there and how do, you, how do you work around that? Great question. So I actually created a matrix in the book. And so I have a chart and you plot your chronotype on the top and their chronotype on the side, and it'll actually give you two different times during the day, a morning time and an early evening time before your melatonin starts to spike and, but, and while your testosterone is still high enough uh, to be able to perform in more than likely the manner that you're looking for. So there's actually, I have one for heterosexual couples, one for gay couples, and one for lesbian couples because the hormones are different depending upon your gender. Super smart. And when, you know, when it comes to eating a cheeseburger, what's the best time for a bear? Please say it's at the same time as having sex because I've always wanted to try that. <laughs> I would say after sex oh. is probably... You don't want to not, it could be a little sloppy, although, you know, some people might like that. You're killing me, Dr. Um, Bruce. No, I'm telling you all the good <laughs> stuff, man. But it's interesting. So if you wanted to have a pig out, right, you, you wanted to go for your favorite food, you know, unhealthy, what, what have you, it turns out that it's actually best to have that as early in the day as possible. So it's not too far off from the sex time. Um, and, and that's, there's two reasons for that. Uh, number one is uh, your body is, throughout a day, literally burning off the food that you're putting into it. And so if you have one of these big, you know, cheeseburger with, you know, onion rings and French fries and a milkshake type of thing late at night, or even in the evenings, your body literally doesn't have the time 
in order to process through that amount of fat and cholesterol and things like that. But if you do that much earlier in the day, you actually give your body the opportunity to work it off so that it doesn't actually just go straight to your fat stores. Very cool. If you were, uh, you know, if you're a, um, you know, a, a manager or CEO, you know, you're managing a team of employees, I can imagine understanding each of their chronotypes and understanding when they're going to be most effective is going to be incredibly helpful and, and valuable is the best thing for you to do to have them take this quiz or is there a way to perhaps uh, ask them, tease it out of them? Uh, are there a few questions you can ask to maybe understand what's going to work best for them? Yeah. So it depends upon your relationship. And so if you are an employee and you're trying to figure out when is the best, best time to ask your boss for a raise, it's probably not such a hot idea to say, Hey, you know, boss, man, would you do me a favor and take this quiz so I can really, you know, catch you at the right time. Right. <laughs> um, that's probably not a great idea, but if it's the opposite is true and you're a manager, number one, have everybody take the quiz. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I actually, it's really interesting. The, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Bulletproof executive line and Bulletproof. Oh, absolutely. Dave, Dave Asprey. Yeah. So I was talking with Dave and I explained this whole concept with him and he liked it so much. He's going to have me go up to his corporate headquarters and he's going to have me chronotype all of his employees. And then he wants to schedule meetings based on employees' chronotypes. So we'll know if he's got a bunch of wolves, which are in the creative department, he'll know what the best time is to have a creative meeting where brainstorming is going to actually give really good results. So, so on on that note, you know, I, I work with a bunch of wolves. I work in an advertising agency as, a, oh, as my full time job. You know, I, I I live with wolves all. I'm literally in the wolf den as a bear. Um, yeah. What's the best What's the best way for me to be working with my coworkers? So remember, they really don't start to move and groove until about eleven o'clock in the morning. No, tell me. About um, it. <laughs> and so you trying to do anything that requires detail is going to be very difficult until you probably hit a little bit after lunch because their alertness just isn't there. And it's really not their fault. You know, this is all genetically based. So what we find is, is that if we can schedule creative meetings during times that are creative for them and we schedule logistic meetings when there's an alertness level for them, it's going to work out really well. Believe it or not, wolves can be very creative in the morning. It's what I call groggy greatness. So... <laughs> When, when they come in, their mind is still kind of like jello. You know, they're, they're not quite awake yet. But that actually turns out to be a great time to be creative. You know, you ever uh, get into the shower and all of a sudden you have your best idea and you're like, holy cow, I got to write that down. You know, all the time. Right. That's because you're being, your mind is being distracted enough on the logistic side of washing your hair and doing all this other stuff uh, and the creative side, which is just allowing your brain to kind of flow into those ideas. So what's fascinating here is wolves are the same way. And so if you catch a wolf when they just come into work, um, you might be able to get some good creative ideas about out of them. But whatever you do, don't try to tell them when they've got something due and don't try to talk about an analytics or a logistical problem. <laughs> talk about a creative one. You know, when they walk through the door, say, hey, I got an I, I got a question for you. I'm looking for some really cool creative ideas about X. They will jump on that because they're literally primed and ready for that right when they walk through the door. Then if you want to figure out how to implement that idea, don't talk about implementation then. Wait until after lunch when they're actually starting to get alert again, and then you hit them with implementation. So if you can break those two things apart during a, for a work product, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how much more they appreciate it. They're going to give you better stuff, and it's going to just work out. Wow. 
It's crazy because you know if, if anybody out there has ever walked into a, a creative agency or you know advertising <laughs> or design agency in the morning, it is like a bee's. It's like a bee's nest. Yeah. There's so much activity and so much excitement and so much, so many ideas flying around. This makes absolute total sense. That's crazy. Um, you know what's funny when I did my my test on the website and I was, it was, you know, I was told that I was a bear, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conversation about bears and how they like to sleep. And then, and they're the ones that are going to get a little bit of more extra sleep on the weekends and you're going to end up mm -hmm. on the couch. And, right. you know, it's, it's, it's always been a bit of a, a battle with, with, with my wife and I, that, you know, I, I am the one that's going to kind of lounge on the couch a little bit more on the mm -hmm. weekend when she wants to get going and out there. And, and to be perfectly honest, I felt a little guilty when I first heard that and I felt a little bad. You know, I'm sure there's other people out there that are probably in that same position. Like, is that okay? like, should I be okay with getting a little bit of extra sleep? Am I a bad person? <laughs> like, you know, as, as men, you know, especially as men, we're, we're, you know, we're trained to like give it our all and right, always be, be out there. And you gotta and... be, you gotta be useful and you right. gotta be out there all the time. And you gotta be, you gotta keep moving. Um, what sort of advice would you have for me? So first of all, don't feel guilty. It's your genetics. That's number one. This is who you are as a person, you know, and my whole theory behind the book, The Power of When, is really it's kind of just go with your own flow, right? So once you know what your chronotype is and you know when your alert times are and your creative times are, if you follow those, and I'm not saying you have to be super strict, what you'll find is, is that during your more alert times, you're going to be more present there for her. Right. And so if she wants to be up and about and doing things, you know what you can say to her? You know what, honey, that's awesome. I am so thrilled that you that you like doing those things. But, you know, when I after I read Dr. Bruce's book, I realized there's some things about me that are, are just different from a genetic standpoint. So why don't we get together and find times where together we can do things? And then there's sometimes you can do your thing and sometimes I can do my thing. You'll be surprised at how appreciative she might become. Mm, very cool. You know, this whole idea of biological clock, does it ever evolve over time in someone's life? Does it change or is it pretty much, you know, pretty much solid? Well, it's interesting. It's solid for adulthood, right? But as we're children, our biological clock changes quite a bit. So as an example, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, I have a 14-year-old son and I actually have a 13-year-old daughter. They're both wolves. That's genetics. Almost all adolescents are in the wolf category because biologically their entire circadian system is shifting and it wants them to stay up late and sleep late. This is one of the reasons why we're starting to look at school start times in my field and see can we start school later. Great study out of uh, University of Minnesota that showed that if they started school one hour later for teenagers, almost every teenager in their first period class went up one full letter grade. Wow. So from a B to an A, from a C to a B, it was incredible. And so we know that genetically speaking, when we're younger, many, many of us are wolves. You kind of set, your patterns kind of set around age, somewhere between 18 and 20. And then they're good until about age 50, 55. And then something different happens. The reverse happens. So if you've ever been hanging out with somebody who's in that age range or older, here's what happens. They're waking up at 530 in the morning. They're wanting to go to bed at 830 at night. And so they, they turn into lions. So there's a chapter in the book called Chrono Longevity, and it looks at, chron at chronotypes across a lifespan. Mm, very cool. What's the state of the world and I guess state of the nation right now when it comes to sleep? How are we doing with sleep? <laughs> you know, you, it's obviously a, a, a topic that's, you know, being talked about a lot. But as someone who's an expert, what, what would you say uh, uh, our current sleep state is? Well, I'll tell you, it's not great. Um, so what we've got is a, um, a situation where most people have no idea how much sleep they need. 
uh, and what what sleep they should be getting. Or they do, and in fact, they're not getting it. And that's obviously a problem. So one of the things that I'm constantly talking about with people is understand what your sleep need is and try to get it. And you know, that's actually an individual uh, set of circumstances. For As an example, I have been a six and a half hour sleeper literally my entire life. Wow. There, there, I mean, from age probably 18 on, I just don't sleep more than six and a half hours. I go to bed at midnight because I'm a wolf. I get up at 6.30 and I'm good to go. Um, I'm, I function on all cylinders. I really don't have any problems with it. I'm, I'm alive, I'm working, I'm doing all my stuff, but that's for me. If my wife tried to do that, she'd be exhausted. Like she's much better going to bed around 10, 30, 11 than waking up at 6.30. Um, even though she has some wolfish characteristics in her, um, sometimes she'll stay up with me, but then she can't sleep in because the kids have to get up or something like that and then she's exhausted. Well, you just brought up a really interesting point. You know, can you have other characteristics of some of the other chronotypes and and how do you sort of navigate that? I'm, I'm sure uh, you explain it very much in the book. So let, let's, let's uh, give everyone a little bit of a taste. Sure, so there are hybrids that exist. Uh, but more interestingly, some people's social schedule just isn't going to work with this idea, right? And especially the wolves, right? So it, it turns out that we wolves have got like the worst set of circumstances in most cases because we're the ones who want to stay up late and sleep late. And society doesn't really function that way. You know, your boss wants you at work by eight thirty, nine o'clock. Well, for a wolf, that's not a whole lot of fun. Lions, they got no problems with it. You're kidding. Lions are at work by 7 a.m., their problem is, is that by 3.30 in the afternoon, they're dead. Whereas when, when wolves hit 3.30 in the afternoon, they are really humming and making things happen. So there's definitely some differences that can go along. And sometimes our social schedule will force us into a particular chronotype. And that can make it kind of difficult. So I give some strategies, things like strategic napping on the weekends to catch up, or even um, doing some certain things to make yourself more alert in the mornings, for example, if you are a wolf. Those are, there's definitely some uh, strategies that I've placed in the book that can make it a little bit better for people. The whole napping issue is 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 something that I've never really been you know able to, to do or get into. And I always find that if I do nap, I get I get groggy. Is napping something that is more uh, fitted for certain chronotypes than others? Well, how long do you nap for? 20 minutes. So that's interesting that you nap for 20 minutes and you feel groggy because most people at 20 minutes turns out to be at 20, 25 minutes turns out to be a great amount of time for a nap because usually you don't actually get into deep sleep during that period of time. As an example, if I take a 45 minute nap, I'm toast for the rest of the day because what's happened is, is I've tried, I've gone into deep sleep and by going into deep sleep, it's made the situation very, very difficult for me to wake up because my brain doesn't want to get out of that great, deep, nourishing sleep. So understanding the timing of your nap can actually be very effective um, as well as the length of your nap. So if I had to guess, you're probably, if you're a bear, then you're probably na- try, have tried at least historically to nap somewhere between one and three in the afternoon. And because that's when bears have a tendency to get tired Napping for 25 minutes uh, is interesting uh, that it still makes you feel sleepy. Have you ever tried a a technique called a Napa latte? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you about this technique I created called a Napa latte. It's a lot of fun. So if let's say that you are just dragging and you are having a tough time during the day, one of the things that I tell people to do is go and get a cup of drip coffee, Mm -hmm. right? Not a mocha frappuccino latte, whatever just a cup of plain old drip coffee. Throw three ice cubes into it to cool it down. Drink the whole thing as quickly as you can, then take a 20-minute nap. You'll reduce the amount of stage one, stage two sleep that's making you feel sleepy. The caffeine kicks in, you're good for four hours, guaranteed. Awesome, love that. And and 
you know, I've always been tempted to to try to nap at work because I've I've heard that you know that's that's mm-hmm. becoming a thing, especially with some you know some of the tech companies and and Absolutely. a little bit more progressive companies. Is that something you're seeing more and more with you know with com- companies? Are they taking napping uh, more seriously? They are, you know, and it's starting to happen. You know, it, it initially it started to happen with mostly just the pro- really progressive companies. You know, the Googles, the Huffington Posts of the world. Um, they have napping rooms. Um, AOL has a napping room where people can go in. And, and at first it was kind of shunned upon at first people would be like, Oh my God, you're so lazy. You're going into the napping room. And now people are starting to say, look at my work product. When I nap, like it's significantly better. If I can take a 20 minute nap, I'm going to be more productive. And you know what? Everybody shuts up and says, maybe I should be napping. So you what it, it really levels itself out when you can show some level of productivity behind the nap that's helpful either at work or even in your social and home life and and p- people are are meditating more I, I know at work you know what's what's your mm-hmm. sort of uh, point of view on meditation and and some of these chronotypes I love meditation and I think it works well for all of the chronotypes again depending on timing and looking at that as as a bear what would be the best time to meditate so for you it would probably be let me think. I'm thinking uh, meditation for you actually would work out well um, right after you get to work in the morning. Interesting. So like 9, 9.15 for about 15 minutes to help center you for the beginning of the day and help get you kind of on a plan to get going. That would be one time. Uh, another time would probably be somewhere between um, 2.30 and 2.50. Um, I, I know I'm being very specific <laughs> wow. there. Between 2.30 and 3 o'clock is a great time because we know that it, that's the perfect time for a nap, but that's also a perfect time to meditate. So if you're not a great napper, but you really want to chill out and kind of let your brain you know, relax for a little bit, I would say between 2.30 and 3 would be the best time as a bear. Very cool. In, in the book, you do uh, offer very specific sort of ideal days for your chronotypes. Um, super, super helpful for, for everybody out there. Um, it, and and I'm assuming you know they're not like so so rigid. It just gives sort of general general ideas on on what you can do during those times. Yeah, and you know one of the things that always happens when you write a book like this is people want to follow every single word of it, and that's not really how the book was designed. The book was designed to enlighten people on what is their chronotype, and then from there run some experiments on yourself. You know, try a couple of different things, you know, look at your sleep schedule and see if you can make it consistent. That's usually the first thing I ask people to do. Then from there, start to look at things like your morning routine, because that really sets the tone for the whole day. What are you doing in the mornings that could be productive or could be counterproductive to your mood, to your level of productivity, things like that. And then you slowly start to kind of infuse these things into your day. Um, I've got some people that full on embrace it and they try to do everything. And I've got some people who just do one or two things. And so you really have to think through what's going to work for you as a person uh, and then give it a shot. Very cool. And and that, one of the other things that I thought was really neat and, and you know, I took the quiz on the, on the website, um, the power of when quiz.com is that you say, here's some famous people that are similar chronotypes to you. So for example, a, a bear, Stephen King, George Orwell, Jeff Bezos, Ellen, and Arianna Huffington—like pretty, pretty good crowd there. You know, you're, but you're not you're not alone in these chronotypes, which is really neat. Yeah, and it's it's so funny because um, as the book becomes more and more popular, I'm starting to find that there are um, celebrities or scientists or you know titans of business, and you start to look at them, and it becomes really interesting really quickly. You know, we used to think just going on the business idea, we used to think that. Oh my gosh, you know, everybody who's a business leader is up at 5:30 uh and is shooting off emails and is, you know, is a lion. 
That's just not the case. Um, there are very, very successful business people in within all levels of chronotype, assuming that they're matched up with their with their right field. You know, and so when you look at somebody like Ariana Huffington, who's actually a personal friend, and she looks at the importance of sleep for her for years, years, she did not get the right amount of sleep and she did not sleep at the right times. And she suffered for it. One night she got so tired while she was working late at night, she fell asleep while while working and her head smacked um, the side of her desk and literally cut open her cheek. And that was her big wake up call was like, holy crap, what am I doing? And so once she was able to get into her normal sleep vibe, she, all of a sudden she became instantly more productive. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. Awesome. And, and, and you just brought up a good point. Like, you know, this this sort of self-help world, we, we, we latch ourselves on to these incredibly high performing individuals and we assume that they are all the same. But, you know, it's just <laughs> not it's just not the case. No, it's really not. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. There are some incredible people who are unbelievably productive in the early morning hours. And there's even been some people who have called, uh, I think, uh, Hal Elrod, who wrote the, uh, the book, The Miracle Morning. He talks all about morning, 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 how it's supposed to be for everybody. But what's interesting is Hal actually interviewed me um, for his upcoming movie as the juxtaposition of does everybody have to be a morning person? And of course, the answer is no. But once you know your chronotype, it really gives you some insight into what you should do. Cool. So a couple more questions about bears, because I'm just absolutely fascinated uh -huh. about this. What's the best time for me to work out? Okay, so when you're when you're looking at exercise, believe it or not, exercise in the morning is great for bears only from the standpoint of if you don't, then a lot of times you just won't do it. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, and and what's, <laughs> what's, what's the best time for me to... Um, you know, let's say that I'm uh, somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happily married, but let's say I was, mm -hmm. I was still dating. What would be the best time uh -huh. for me to start, uh, you know, perhaps taking somebody out on a date? So somewhere between eight and 10 is really your social prime, right? And so if you want to be on your game, like you're going out on a date, or even if you're having drinks with coworkers or having, you know, going to a party where your boss is going to be or something like that, um, somewhere between eight and 10 is really going to be your prime social time. You're going to be wanting to eat dinner around 7.15, 7.30, get some food in your belly, get your blood sugar up, and then you are going to be ready to kick some butt. Love this. Love this. Guys, you know, you got to get you got to get on this website, check out the quiz, and then learn more about it by buying the book. The book is going to be uh, uh, so valuable for your life. Um, Dr. Bruce, before we get going, I, I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. some sort of fun fast uh questions you know uh, you know rapid fire questions let's call it that are you ready for that i'm ready awesome who is the most influential person of all time nelson mandela awesome uh who is the bravest person nelson mandela <laughs> i thought you were gonna say that what is the most underrated trait for modern day success sleep good answer <laughs> something everyone should experience oh that's a good question the first thing that comes to mind is uh, watching your child or your spouse do something successfully. If you were to take one book on a desert island and, and, it, and it can't be a book that you've written, uh, <laughs> what, what would that be? You know, I'm, I'm reading for the second time The Power of One. Uh, which is a book by Bryce Courtney, which is all about um, the classic novel about South Africa. And it's just such an incredibly moving book. I would say The Power of One. I see a theme there. Yeah. No, it's so funny because it really it 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 wasn't until all of a sudden I because that's been a book that's been a really interesting book for me uh, most of my life. The other book I would say that I really have a lot of respect for is The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott mm. Peck. Um, very cool. I love the very first sentence in that book because the very first sentence in the very first chapter says life is difficult. And you know what, man? 
life is difficult. It there's is. No, there's nothing easy about, you know, what we're doing and doing it, you know, in the best way that we possibly can and, and being the best person that we possibly can be. It, I, I don't know who ever thought that it was all going to be, you know, peaches and cream and easy because I, I don't know about you, but it hasn't necessarily been that way for me. Oh, totally. It's funny. We just interviewed uh, Mark Manson, who's a very successful blogger, and he just came out with a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> and and it's based off of his very, very famous uh, blog post. But, you know, the, his whole philosophy is that the, the key to success is, is narrowing down to what you're willing to put up the most shit for. Like, yep. what are you willing to, like, you know... Uh, uh, take, you know, take as much crap for. And that's, that's really what, cause it's going to happen anyways. Absolutely. It is. And so you better be ready for it. Exactly. Uh, a couple more questions. Sure. Uh, uh, number one movie you would take on a desert Island. Blazing saddles. Ah, love it. Um, <laughs> especially single... since Gene Wilder just passed I away know, before that. It's it would so have been sad. Caddyshack for me. <laughs> oh, you love, you love the slapstick. I do. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the single biggest lesson that you've learned in academia. Uh, the single biggest lesson, um, don't think that you know everything because you don't. Mm, mm. Um, hard pillow or soft pillow? Depends on your neck. Um, for me, no, for, you. <laughs> I, for me personally, I'm a side, a side or a stomach sleeper. So I like to have a, a slightly firm flat pillow. Very cool. Um, finally, what is the la what, what, you know, what legacy do you want to leave in the world? You know, the book really has been what I was trying to accomplish, which was I want to make a big difference. I like to do big projects. You know, I, I did this really cool thing with Crown Plaza Hotels where we affected the sleep of 60,000 people every night for the last eight or nine years. Wow. You know, I was the sleep expert for WebMD where I answered over 6,000 questions on the website. Like I like to do big stuff. And I like to make an impact whenever I can. You know, when I go on Dr. Oz's show, you know, I get to educate 4.5 million people every time I'm on the show. And so for me, making an impact doesn't necessarily have to be a big project like those. Sometimes uh, making a big impact is uh, being smart enough to listen to my son when he's got something going on you know, or sit down and talk with my daughter and ask her about her day or talk with my wife when I can see something else is happening. Sometimes the the size of the impact isn't necessarily consistent with the number of people that it affects, but sometimes it is. And you actually, you just mentioned Dr. Oz. You've been on his show how many times? Uh, I've had, this was my 33rd appearance on his show. Wow. <laughs> and if anybody wanted to learn more about you or, or maybe get in touch or say hi, what's the best way they can do that? So I'm on every form of social media, um, I think, imaginable. So if people want to do a shout at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn, um, those are all platforms that I'm on fairly regularly. My website is, I have two of them. Uh, one is uh, thesleepdoctor.com and the other one is thepowerofwhen.com. Very cool. Um, Dr. Bruce, thank you so much. Guys, go check out the book. The book is available literally wherever books are sold. It's called The Power of When. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, go to his website. If you want to learn more about Mantox, you can go to Mantox website at mantox.com, where we have all sorts of blog posts, uh, podcasts, of course, and lots of amazing uh, new, exciting events and, and uh, articles up there. Um, of course, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher so that you never miss an episode. And please leave us an honest rating. Um, it goes a long, long way to help man it forward and, and get the podcast into as many ears as possible. Thank you so much for, the, for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation. 